On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we're joined by Shane Jackson to break down some betting odds for the Kansas football season. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Mondays through Fridays from 3 to 6 on KLWN. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. On today's edition of Locked on Jayhawks, we're going to be joined by Shane Jackson to break down the win total for KU at 2.5, but also some other real props, made-up props, betting lines, those sorts of things with KU football for the upcoming season. We also are going to discuss the Trevor Wilson and Tanaka Scott news that occurred from last week that has kind of been extended and leads into the first game of the season here. So let's get right into this stuff. Two KU football players were arrested Thursday afternoon on suspicion of aggravated assault with a deadly weapon, according to the Douglas County Jail Logging Book, in the case of Trevor Wilson and in the case of Tanaka Scott. And these are both guys that we've heard a lot about or that we've seen on the fields in the case of Trevor Wilson a lot last year as being guys that you know were going to contribute in that receiver room. Now, to what extent? Maybe that remains a little bit unclear. Like, was Trevor Wilson going to be one of the three starting receivers? Or was he going to be the first guy off the bench? Was Tanaka Scott going to crack into the you know, main receiver rotation? Or was he going to be more of a guy that just comes in here or there? We'll get to that in a second with who has the biggest impact of all of this. With how they could lose out on this. With players that maybe have more to gain, more opportunity, more role to gain coming up here in a little bit but I just want to get to this story um they were arrested for basically kind of a weird situation that involved you know this cars pulling up and pulling out guns all this stuff and I, I don't want to like speculate and talk about all what happened or, or whatnot and, and some of it is you know speculation or, or whatever but it certainly sounds like Trevor Wilson is in things a little bit deeper here than Tanaka Scott is. Trevor Wilson was charged with an aggravated assault with use of a deadly weapon, a level 7 felony, which I, I have no idea, like, how many levels are there? Is the higher level worse or better? I don't know. Uh, he was released from jail on a $5,000 recognizance bond, which I believe that's kind of similar to the idea that you can uh, use, like, diversion for, which you eventually get it, like, expunged from your record. I don't know. I, I hate all this, like, court talk. It has a court date set for August 30th, which would be Tuesday at 10 a.m. The court, though, did not find probable cause to charge Tanaka Scott. So a couple things there. One, you're going to get a quick, I guess, court date for this Trevor Wilson stuff, and that will certainly, I would imagine, you know, have an impact on whatever info comes out or whatever type of punishment he gets from the court, like that could go in line with whatever type of punishment or thing he has to deal with from the KU football side of things. From Tanaka Scott's perspective, couldn't find probable cause. It sounds like Tanaka Scott may have more so just been in, you know, kind of a, hey, I'm, I'm in the wrong place at the wrong time and you know, I, I'm trying to de-escalate the situation or whatever it is, but I'm here and there's other stuff that doesn't happen. Now, if Tanaka Scott had a a weapon, even if it was registered to him, you know, that might be something where Lance Leipold or the KU football team is like, but that's against team rules. Like, we don't want you owning a firearm, even if it's legal. So I, I don't know what will happen there, but the fact that he was not charged with anything 
um, because they couldn't find any probable cause, I think backs up the idea that maybe Tanaka Scott was just kind of along for the ride here, or obviously, if he wasn't charged with anything, like, didn't really do anything wrong. So, you don't want to spend too much time on this from a Tanaka Scott perspective in terms of, like, what did you do wrong here, blah, 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 because you don't want to, you don't want to punish the kid here and, and talk about all these negative things when, again, he wasn't charged with anything, right? So from the Trevor Wilson perspective, though, based on the recognizance bond and everything, like it, it makes me kind of think that this is not going to be something that like he's going to go to jail for or something like that. Again, I'm not a lawyer. This stuff is weird. But um, I would think that Trevor Wilson is in a situation where if we're just looking at it from the KU perspective, he's going to be suspended for a pretty good amount of time. There was a kid last year, I I don't remember the name, but he was a linebacker who basically got suspended. He's no longer with the team anymore. He was like suspended indefinitely for some stuff that happened off the field. And I, I think that this coaching staff takes this stuff very seriously, as you should, right? Now, you gotta go back to the idea Trevor Wilson is a kid that um, this staff recruited to Buffalo they brought over from Buffalo to KU I, I forget if it was Andy Kotelnicki or Lance Leipold but I, I think one of them had something going on in their personal life and, and they were talking about how yeah Trevor Wilson is a guy who would reach out about you know condolences or like that relationship with him and us has just grown so much and that he feels like, you know, just a part of the family to us. Like, this isn't a guy that just came over and doesn't have, the like, a good relationship seemingly with the coaches before this. So um, you have to look at it from that perspective. Like, if your kid, if your family member messed up, yeah, there's going to be punishments that are had. Yeah, there's going to be things that go down. But you're not just going to all of a sudden say, okay, I'll never see you again, right? So I don't think this is a situation where, and again, this isn't something where, like, it's not good. It's bad. Like, this is obviously not good stuff to happen. But it's not a situation, and I, I hate to even, like, go here because I don't want to turn into the, oh, well, this crime is better than this crime, right? But it's not a situation that would tend to make me believe that Trevor Wilson is going to get, like, kicked off the team or something like that. I do imagine, though, there's going to be a lengthy suspension. What that means, I don't really have an idea. I feel confident about this, though. Trevor Wilson ain't playing in the first game of the season. Trevor Wilson ain't playing for the Tennessee Tech game, right? Maybe he's back by the end of the season. Maybe he's suspended for the season. I, I have no idea. There, there is no you know, comparisons. There is no rule book here to say, hey, if you do this, you're suspended this many games at Kansas. So we don't really have an idea. But Trevor Wilson, I feel very confident, will not be playing in the Tennessee Tech game. As far as Tanaka Scott goes, because like I said, there was nothing charged here and there could be some stuff involved as, as part of the details that maybe lead him to be punished in some small way with the university, with Kansas, with Lance Leipold, with the football team. Maybe he is suspended for the first game. But I don't think Tanaka Scott is going to be someone who I, I, I'm kind of leaning toward he's not going to be suspended for the first game. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, again, I have like no like knowledge on this from, coming from anywhere. But I would imagine Tanaka Scott's punishment is going to be severely less than what Trevor Wilson's is. At the same point in time, don't expect Trevor Wilson for the Tennessee Tech game, but also don't expect both to just be gone from the KU roster all of a sudden and off the team. Let's get into who maybe benefits, because I don't want to turn this into, again, it's weird with, with off-the-field stuff and actual 
important things that are happening in life that are not good. Like you don't want to just all of a sudden dismiss that, push it, push it to the side and say, okay, but how about football, right? Because it's not as important. But this is a football podcast, so I, I do want to kind of at least look at the repercussions, look at some players that maybe have something to gain with the news that came out as far as Tanaka Scott and Trevor Wilson in just a moment here. Also, uh, Shane Jackson is going to join us to break down some betting lines, the KU football over-under win total, and just some philosophy of betting, which is obviously coming to Kansas here later this week. Are you one of those people who thinks it's okay to drive stoned? What's the worst that can happen? You end up driving below the speed limit. It's no big deal, right? Wrong. The truth is your reaction times slow way down when you're high. You not only put yourself in danger, but everyone around you. Talk about a buzzkill. Stop kidding yourself. It's not okay to drive high. If you've been using marijuana in any form, do not get behind the wheel. If you feel different, you drive different. Drive high, get a DUI. We're going to hear from Shane Jackson in just a moment here on tomorrow's show. We're going to talk with Nick Schwert. As we are in, in game week, first week of the season for KU football, we've got Scott Chasen joining us later this week as well. So Trevor Wilson, Tanaka Scott, this stuff happens. Like I was saying before, I don't really know what the punishment looks like for Tanaka Scott because it's kind of a weird situation. With Trevor Wilson, clearly there's going to be some sort of punishment, and I would be pretty shocked if he were able to suit up for the first game of the season. Trevor Wilson is someone who is competing for a starting spot. He was competing for a starting job, right? When you're looking at Lawrence Arnold's, you feel pretty confident he's going to be one of the three starters at receiver. We've heard a lot about Doug Emelian playing at inside receiver, but he is doing a little bit of everything. Luke Grimm you kind of think of in, in kind of the same way. More of a slot receiver, but does a little bit of everything. Those guys certainly are going to be part of the rotation. Maybe both of them start. Maybe one of them start. And then Trevor Wilson was kind of the other guy. Like It felt like those four were in the biggest competition to start for those three spots, even though it could be someone else. Um... But to me, those were the ones that really stood out. And now with Trevor Wilson, like you're not going to be a game one starter. So who fills in that role? If, if Wilson were to have that role, then I think you just look at and say, okay, maybe it's Emelian and Luke Graham and Lawrence Arnold. But if Luke Graham and Doug Emelian are both inside receivers, and that's how they view them as, as far as the starters go, that means you're going to have a different receiver on the outside. Could it be a Stephen McBride? We heard a lot about Stephen McBride last offseason. Haven't heard as much this offseason. He had 15 catches, didn't total a ton of yards a year ago. He has some potential to him. He's got good burst, good speed. Maybe he's someone who benefits from this and gets more playing time. Maybe he gets a starting nod. What about Quentin Skinner? Quentin Skinner, a former walk-on, earns a scholarship. He's one of the fastest players on the team. He's got a big body for a wide receiver. Maybe this is his opportunity to be in the starting lineup. I think those are the guys I would circle. Obviously, if this didn't happen to Tanaka Scott, he would be a guy. Because we heard a lot about him over the offseason. Big body guy, another straight line speed guy as well that maybe could fit into that role. And so if KU is going to be short at the receiver position, like this is not great because this is two of your top five receivers, right? You're already at a position with receiver where you're looking for guys to break out. You're looking for guys to step up and you're looking for depth. You're looking for guys to fill different roles. This makes it more difficult with depth. This makes it more difficult to fill all those different roles. This makes it more difficult, possibly, to find the guys who are going to merge and to get all these receivers on the same page in game action with Jalen Daniels because they're not going to have the ability to do so if you're suspended or you're not playing or you're losing out on your role. And let's say 
that Tanaka Scott was going to end up being the breakout receiver for KU this year, but he loses some playing time because of this, and that never comes around to happen. Or Trevor Wilson, that was the case. I don't know if that would have been the case for Trevor Wilson. Like, I, I think he was, like I said, in that mix for being one of your starters and everything. I, I viewed him more, though, as like he's a really good deep ball threat. He's a good screen guy. Get him in the open field, make him miss. But maybe he's not the, the true number one that you're targeting on big downs. Like when it's third down, Kwame Lasseter's the guy. We trust him. He's going to come through with a big reception. I don't know if that would be the case there, but he certainly had a useful role. And so we don't know when that would be back for KU. That hurts your receiver group. That hurts your offense. That hurts at a position that you have a lot of questions about headed into the season. It's a great opportunity at the same point in time for certain guys. For Luke Graham and Lawrence Arnold, they were going to play regardless. Doug Emelian, too. Like, they were going to play regardless. Maybe it means three extra snaps for one of them. Maybe it means five extra snaps in the first game of the season if Trevor Wilson's suspended or Tanaka Scott's not playing. Right? Maybe it means a few extra snaps, a few extra plays to where they get those few extra reps or they, they get to make one extra catch that helps them further themselves on the depth chart or gain that trust with Jalen Daniels or the coaching staff, right? Maybe that is the difference. But overall, those guys were all going to play anyway, whether this happened or not. The real impact this has individually is on those other guys, like I mentioned, with Stephen McBride, with Quentin Skinner. And you know who someone else I, I haven't mentioned yet that I probably should hear? A guy like Kevin Terry. Kevin Terry comes over from Texas Tech. He gets injured before the season started last year. It sounded like he was making good inroads on the depth chart last season. You never know how a guy coming off a season-ending injury is going to react, but certainly it's more opportunity for him. Maybe it's more opportunity for a guy like Keelan Robinson or something like that. Those are the main ones, though. McBride, Skinner, and Kevin Terry. And if this opportunity for them leads to, hey, instead of, you know, like Luke Grimm, he was going to play 40 snaps. Now he's playing 45. It could be the difference for a guy like Stephen McBride or Quentin Skinner of, hey, I was only going to play 5, 10, 15 snaps. Now I'm playing 30 or 40. It's, it's a big difference on tape. It's a big difference in getting those reps and getting an opportunity to show yourself. So maybe you don't take advantage of the opportunity. Maybe you're unable to, to muster anything up or you don't find that connection or you, you don't make some plays in the game. But maybe that opportunity is enough for one of those guys to come out and emerge and make it more difficult for a guy like Trevor Wilson or Tanaka Scott coming back to be higher up on that depth chart. I mean, that's, that's kind of what you're hoping for, not, not from a negative standpoint, but from a positive standpoint, that these guys are going to take advantage of the extra playing time they're getting. Think about last year. Devin Neal started to take over for Velton Gardner, who was a little ineffective in the season. He took off with it and ran. That was kind of performance-based. How about Jason Bean getting injured? That allowed Jalen Daniels to get an opportunity. Took advantage of it pretty well. What about Jared Casey? Mason Fairchild injured, tight end group is down, they need an extra tight end in there, takes advantage of it with the two-point conversion, and further takes advantage of it over the last two weeks of the season when he has eight catches. There are all sorts of examples of last year's Kansas team of players who got put in an opportunity that maybe they wouldn't have normally gotten if somebody wasn't injured or if somebody wasn't you know, performing at, at a lower level than maybe the coaching staff thought they could get out of them. And they took advantage and now you come into this season and some of those guys and you feel more confident about where you are. That's the opportunity that presents itself with this receiver group right now. But I'll tell you what, it's not just the receivers that could get a little extra run because of this in the opening game. If you don't have Trevor Wilson and whatnot. 
This is a team that's going to play a lot of tight ends, multiple running back sets. Right, You have five offensive linemen, you have a quarterback. So that's six of the 11 on, on the ball. If you have a formation that leaves you with five players you can put on the field. If you have a formation with three tight ends on the field and a running back, you can only have one receiver. You have a formation with two tight ends and a running back, you can only put two receivers on the field. Or if you have two tight ends and two running backs, that's one receiver again, right? So if you're doing these different formations that have multiple of those players, you might not even have that many receivers on the field anyway, which means maybe this is even an extra opportunity to play more of those two or three tight end sets. Because if you are short at receiver, take advantage of the positions that you do know that you have pretty down pat or that you do have multiple role players or do have a a lot of depth and guys that can play there. And we know that's the case with the tight end position. So that's someone else, and, and that just kind of applies to everyone. Trevor Cardell, Jared Casey, Will Huggins, Tavita Noah, Mason Fairchild, down the list. Of those guys have a lot to gain for it as well. Coming up in just a moment, we're going to get on to our interview with Shane Jackson to break down some betting lines and upcoming betting opportunities, some fake, some real, for the KU football season upcoming here this week. We've got Shane Jackson joining us now live from uh, Vegas to help us break down some of the odds and everything. I guess the first one is just the the big one. It's it's the over-under win total for KU. It's set at two and a half wins. I don't know which way you're leaning on that, but one thing that I found very interesting was the odds aren't, like, it's not even odds to bet the over. It's like minus 145, I believe. It, at least I think that's what I got it at. And I, I don't know, like... I. I guess this kind of depends on the book you're at. Like some books can do this. Other ones, it's just not something that you can get done. But do you think it would be worth it in a situation like that where if you're adamant that you want to take the over on something like that, if you could try to get it played up to three where you would say, give me the over on three just to get more equal odds? Yeah, I I think so. It really depends on the team. Like, uh, you know, how these win totals get set up uh, for the people who do it is is they they create their power ratings, right? And so they're projecting spreads for each of their games for the upcoming season. And you're determining how many games are, you know, surefire wins and some toss-ups, right? Uh, And so it takes a lot for these odds makers to move off their original number, right? They, You know, two and a half, uh, because they feel confident either way, uh, about it landing on two or three is what they want, right? And so if they get enough action, then they have to push it up three. Uh, that's what they'll do. But in general speaking, that they'll, they'll try to do the juice instead, instead of moving. You know, teams like, you know, not to make this uh, NFL rule-based, but the Detroit Lions, right? They've, they've received enough overbets, so they've now moved the win total fully a half a game to seven games rather than just sitting on six and a half and, and creating a juice steeper on the over. That's very interesting. So I- I don't know. I don't know how often you can get that stuff customized, but I mean, also from just kind of a, I guess, betting um, system or, or what you would want to do. KU is obviously going to be a big underdog on the money line and the spread a lot this year. Is it is it almost more beneficial if you think they are going to have one of those seasons where they surprise people and win maybe four or five games to just bet every game money line that they're a big underdog, or is it just better to just kind of trust them on the spread yeah I, I wouldn't go too crazy with money line <laughs> at least for kansas i know college football you know a lot of these games and upsets can happen uh, but I, I wouldn't go too crazy i would be i mean this is the way i want to attack kansas this year anyways is i would be more likely to take them on the spread i mean they covered their last three games last year uh and they're going to be probably a double digit underdog against most of these teams they play this year 
Um, so I think there's an opportunity to kind of take advantage of that and play them more on the spread and to make it competitive rather than maybe, you know, marrying yourself to they're going to win three games or four games because a lot of that is dependent on can this defense get it figured out and can is, is Jalen Daniels, you know, the real deal from what we saw at the end of last year. What you just mentioned there with the defense struggling so much, giving up over 40 points per game, it seems like they've done a lot to, to try to improve that. We'll see how much they tangibly improved once the first game comes on Friday. But uh, you look at the offense, too. You know, I, I know they want to talk about being multiple and that they do want to pass the ball a good amount and everything. But when you have all the good running backs, they do. And we saw some games last year, like the Oklahoma game, where they had like a nine-and-a-half-minute drive and just kind of took the air out of the, the ball game, so to speak, and made it a lower-possession game where you're going to have less scoring in a game like that. Uh, just from a, a system play of betting over-unders, is there one way that you would tend to lean early in the season on what you think would be the better play for KU? Yeah, that's a good question. My my first thought without like diving in too deeply is well, I, I thought it would be more overs, but if, you, if you're right, if, if they're talking about maybe – maybe playing a little bit more slower, maybe that's the way you want to do under, because you, once you start reducing possessions, you reduce the amount of chances. But, my, yeah, my, my first thought is, like, the way to attack this team is probably over. Like, you, you feel like there's some semblance of, of hope on the offensive end, and, and the defense itself has notoriously struggled in recent years and given up a lot of points. So my, my, my first thought was that, like, let's attack Kansas overs. Let's, let's play them on the spread. But uh, if there's a, a, you know, a shift in how this team plays and you're able to see that right away, uh, yeah, maybe you lean more under. I think that's the big thing about what, when you're betting uh, is, is don't be too rooted in your preseason thoughts on these teams and let September you know, change your opinion on these teams because there's a lot that we don't know because uh, there's just too many football teams to keep track of. Uh, you have just walked into the Casino de Derrick, and uh, mm-hmm. I have a bet on the board that says you can get KU to not finish last in the Big 12 at minus 120. Are you taking the bet? Oh, uh, probably not. Um, <laughs> what odds would you need? <laughs> I would definitely need a plus number there. Uh, yeah, it, it, I mean, Kansas should be the betting favorite to finish last. Uh, I, I mean, West Virginia under win total is one of my favorite win total bets, so you know, that's the hope, right? But even they are, their win total is five and a half, whereas Kansas is two and a half, right? So, yeah, I would need a, a pretty big plus number uh, on the front of Kansas to not finish last to do that. I mean, I think there's reasons for optimism uh, for this team. Um, and, and, but I think that's more, hey, let's be competitive. Let's, let's cover some of these spreads versus actually turning this into a three, four win season. I don't know if this is something that's even out yet or if you have any read on it. Do you have any idea what the, the line is going to look like for the KU-Tennessee Tech game to open up the season? No, I, I do not. I, I, I project the spreads for all, all the FBS teams, but I actually do not have numbers uh, for that Tennessee Tech game. So, uh, no, I could tell you the rest of the way what I think it would be. But, yeah, no, Tennessee Tech, I imagine Kansas is going to be a favorite. I don't know by how much. Uh, I think most you know numbers would say they're probably in the 80 percent range of winning the game so uh maybe high 80 so uh, whatever you want to equate that to uh but no it's uh do not have the number for that game okay well let's jump ahead real quick to just those early season games uh, you look at the houston game the west virginia the duke um are there any of those three that you feel like you have a spread number on that is kind of appealing in the early going to take ku yeah, I, I mean, I th- I imagine there'll be double-digit double digit underdogs against West Virginia and Houston uh, right away. 
and so that would be interesting, at least, especially the West Virginia one, right? I'm, I'm lower on West Virginia, and that's your kind of your chance to catch someone early. Uh, and so that's the one that kind of immediately jumps out to me. Honestly, I, I've set up my, my ratings to, to, to take advantage of that. Like, I, my number might be lower, uh, but I, I want to jump in on, you know, Kansas spread against West Virginia. I don't know how I feel about the Houston game. I initially was lower on Houston than the market, but uh, everyone seems to be higher on them. Um, and so I, that's making me second-guess that. So, uh, now West Virginia is the one that stands out to me uh, and, and the game that I would take advantage of. And then, yeah, I imagine Kansas would be a favorite against Duke. He is Shane Jackson. Shane, I appreciate you hopping on and uh, taking some time out of your day, man. Yeah, thank you. That was Shane Jackson. That'll do it for this edition of Locked on Jayhawks. Coming up on tomorrow's show, Nick Schwartz joins us. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about, any questions you want to ask, you want to follow along on the action, reach out, give me a follow at Radio on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe to the show so you're getting all the latest with Locked on Jayhawks. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. Talk to you later on Rock Chalk Sports Talk at 3 to 6. Deuces.